You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to this week's episode of Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Herd is hosted by me, Joe Hakeem, and I'm joined by Nick Britsky of Nick Drinks, Jason Leinert of the Detroit Optimist Society, and Vato of the Hungry Dudes. We are joined each episode by workers, leaders, and analysts of the hospitality industry. Please take a moment to subscribe to Herd on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like or dislike what you hear, write a review. We love hearing from our listeners. You can visit Herd at HerdPodcast.com, follow Herd on Twitter and Instagram at HerdPodcast, and like Herd Podcast on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and now here's this week's episode of Herd. I'm sitting with Daniel Estrada, co-founder and CEO of 86 Repairs. 86 Repairs is a sponsor of this week's episode of Herd. You can learn more about 86 Repairs at http colon backslash backslash 86repairs.com slash herd. Daniel, what is 86 Repairs? Yeah, good to be with you, Joe. Uh, 86 Repairs manages the whole repair and maintenance process for restaurant groups. So we're not a service company, um, and what we're what we're doing is we're helping restaurant operators manage the whole process of getting things fixed end to end. So when something goes down in the restaurant, um, we are there. We're like their on-site facilities manager at a fraction of the cost. So a lot of our customers uh, are restaurant groups, you know, here in the Detroit area or elsewhere in the, around the country that have multiple locations. They're trying to manage repairs, trying to keep their costs down, and no one's really watching or tracking, you know, how much money is being spent, what they're fixing, holding service providers accountable. So we help them manage that whole process, save them a lot of time, a lot of money. And keep their staff focused on the things that really matter, getting butts in seats, delivering a great guest experience, right? That's why people in the hospitality business really got into the industry. What does 86 Repairs cost? 86 Repairs pricing ranges based on how many locations you have. So, um, But usually it, it's, a, it's a small monthly subscription fee. So you're not paying any extra fees for service that we manage for you. We are charging a flat subscription fee every month. So for someone like me who is spending half an hour to an hour a day calling service repair people, this is ideal for me, yes? <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. So uh, we measure co- time savings and cost savings for our customers. We think of time savings as kind of a soft, fluffy thing, right? Hard dollar cost savings, um, we save our customers an average of $390 a month per location. To learn more, uh, go visit http colon backslash backslash 86 repairs.com slash herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Tonight, we are joined by the chef, or one of the chefs, or the chef, the, the, chef, the chef for the 2019 world champion United States women's soccer team, Chef Taryn Green. Taryn, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me, Joe. Chef T, right? Chef, Chef T. T. That's, That's what we're going to call you the rest of the episode, <laughs> Chef T. That's what they call now, me. I got I got to throw out full disclosure. Full disclosure, episode 64, Chef T's cousin was on the podcast. So if you like Chef T, go back and listen to episode 64, LeVar Green, LeVar. we talked about intermittent fasting and health and wellness. So I'm really excited about this uh, episode here. We got the family affair going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want to, I want to, there's something really cool that happened after, after they, after the women won the, the, the title, um, th- there's a video that you took, right? 
Shefty, that you took, and they see you taking the video, and they started chanting, Chef, 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 Chef. Chef. Yeah. Chef. Yeah, that was amazing. So none. I, I, I'm going to say, except for you, there's no one listening right now that's probably ever going to have that experience. Explain <laughs> what that was like, please. It was really unreal. Like, the whole trip to France was unreal, um, something that I couldn't imagine. Um, I actually had to ask around, like, are they talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> but they were just extremely appreciative of what I was doing for them on the road, uh, making them feel at home, away from home. So they just showed appreciation on the field. I mean, that that's just like to, to have your name chanted by, by, by these women who, who just brought home a championship. It's just it's yeah. incredible. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't think I was prepared for that. So let's talk about how you got to that point. So, mm-hmm. so let, let's, um, talk about your, your kind of trajectory on making, becoming the chef for the women's soccer team. What, where did you start off at? Well, um, from the very beginning. I started right here in Royal Oak, uh-huh. um, Tom's Oyster Bar. Okay. Uh, did that for a couple of years, started off dishwashing, doing a little prep, and then my passion just drove me to do more in the kitchen. So I learned the appetizer side, started putting out appetizers. Um, then I learned the entree side, did that for a year, and just moved on to bigger and greater things. So what, what, where'd you go after Tom's Oyster Bar? What, where did you end up? Um, I went right out to upstate New York. Uh, the Adirondacks. It's a huge national park, 5.5 million acres. Um, Lake George, to be more specific. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, they named that the Queen of American Lakes. So, how did you end up going from Royal Oak to upstate New York? I had a buddy out there. He was from Detroit. Um, he wanted me to come out there for a year or so. I kept putting him off, like, yeah, maybe later. Um, then finally, I just packed up and went. He, uh, he knew the chef out there, so it just got me right in. So what, what what was that concept? What did you do at that in that location? Um, as soon as I got there, I worked with the banquet staff. Uh-huh. Um, we were putting out hundreds of dishes um, to groups that came in. And uh, part of the groups. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's pure stew. It's, it's t- t- take, taking a sip of this. Uh, <laughs> l- let's take a quick sidebar yeah, here. Yeah. And so. Is- so um, as most of as our listeners probably know, Vato does not drink carbonated beverages. Um, right, because I'm a bariatric patient from 2015, haven't had anything since April 2015 that has carbonation in it. Uh, bariatric sleeve surgery, and it'll make your stomach explode or something. <laughs> yeah, it's uh no, it's it's a one, it's an irritant. Two, the gases from the the carbonation can re-expand the stomach and grow me back into big Vato instead of. Uh, <laughs> Svelte here, I'm at now. But uh, so, so I. What did you just call yourself, Svelte? Svelte. I, 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 I play back the tape on that. Um, so I, uh, I have not been able to jump on the claw bandwagon, the truly bandwagon. Uh, trying to pull back a little bit on my drinking, you know, the hard hard liquor and whatnot. Um, and I came across Pura Still, and it, and it's uh, there's only three flavors that it has right now. What we have here is a blackberry. Um, it is generally accept, uh, accessible in like Kroger's and like CVS and Walgreens. I mean, like they're not, you're not going to find it at a lot of like, uh, boutique type places, but online, they say where you can find it. I went to the store down over here around from the podcast and the guy says he's having so much trouble getting it because it's in such high demand. This is the only spiked still, uh, beverage, um, Judging from your face, Joe, I don't think you care for it. <laughs> I, I, I'm a, I, I, 
truthfully, no. Um, and uh, I, I don't know what what it's missing. Um, and probably the bubbles. I, and good, yeah, definitely uh, the bubbles. I mean, it's clearly Canadian without the bubbles, but, right? Yes, that's kind of have a but, flavor. I have. So this got they got mango, they got blackberry, and they got uh, um, bl- is it blood orange or it's something like that. So I'll be honest. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of White Claw or oh, Truly claw. Yeah. or n- n- none of that stuff. There's really. no laws with your claws. <laughs> <laughs> well, the articles this week, but you know, there's there was a Michigan Police Department and yeah. a, one out of New York. There are claw. There are laws. With right, yeah, right. <laughs> um, In fact, they they remain. <laughs> but you know, I, I I like this. It's got like four and a half percent alcohol. It's uh, made with coconut water, so I feel like I'm getting hydrated at the same time mm-hmm. and. Um, I don't know. So that I know Chef was drinking it just now, and we br- we brought a little bit of the sample because I'm always, you guys are always bringing stuff for <laughs> you or uh, when you know Nick is here, Jason. You guys are always bringing something to for us to sample. It's great. I'm growing to like it with each sip. Yeah, each I, sip I kind of want another one. <laughs> it you know, and it doesn't fill you up. It's it's just a relaxing thing, and I don't have to. Uh, you know, most people are limited in my position to the things you can have. I can limit it to hard liquor, or wine. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a good rosé all day, but I, you know, I got this. I, I did come across, I was at a market the other day. I came across a, a whiskey lemonade, no, whiskey iced tea. That was a still uh, in a can, and I tried it. It tastes like whiskey and iced tea. So. <laughs> and that was pretty cool. Funny how that works. Right? I know, right? <laughs> um, but this stuff, I was just like, oh, this is great, um, you know, a little sipping thing. So. Uh, sorry, I know you're you're telling a story, but you you saw that you saw that pure still, and you're like, I gotta have some. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm a little parched. Uh, yeah, um, you know, and I, I'm just gonna jump really quick, and yeah. I'm thinking about it because you know we're talking about coconut water here, and I we started off talking about the women's team, also chef uh, over at the Pistons. Um, you know, when you're doing um the culinary aspect for high-performance athletes, where does your level of nutritional knowledge come into play or, or how much do you rely on nutritional experts to come in and say, okay, well, we need to, you know, this person's going to, you know, the soccer team's going to burn so many calories out there in the first 45 minutes and we need to make sure that they are primed to go so we need to have X, Y, Z uh, yeah. as we're building up a menu. Well, so I work with a dietitian and I work with a high-performance team and we just all come together and we put out strict guidelines and we just follow them. Um, it's fairly simple, um, clean things. You know what you should have and what you shouldn't have. And then we just throw in a couple of super fruits and vegetables and try to get maximum performance. But they're not just eating chicken and broccoli, right? I mean, it's not like I, – I mean, so there's there's that one part, right? So the parts that you control. But then how much of it is controlled? Like, you know, can they cheat on their own? The guys, yes. The girls, definitely not. The girls are really health conscious. They know what they should and shouldn't have. Like, they'll look at the label for things that they shouldn't have. Like, palm oil is bad for them. So they'll look at their peanut butter and make sure that's not in it. The guys, on the other hand, they'll just kind of eat what's ever there, hoping that you looked at it first and you took away all the bad stuff. Um, but that's what kind of what we do for the guys. We, um, we kind of just put things in the area so that they don't go and cheat their diets. But some of the guys are starting to learn that the healthier they are, the better they play, which means the more money they make. So it's kind of getting the younger guys to get on trend faster. So when you're uh, over at LCA, is it like buffet style? Yeah, buffet style. And then I do a couple um, to-go meals for them, recovery meals. Yeah. LCA is Little Caesars Arena. Little, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> First, I, I, um, I, that's where the Pistons play. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So I have a question because th- – 
the most prolific kind of Instagram account, one of them is is The Rocks. Mm. And The Rock will post a cheat meal about once a week, right? And I, and I want to talk about this because we never really see what The Rock eats on a daily basis. Mm. We see The Rock. We mm-hmm. see what The Rock looks like, right? Yeah. High-performance athlete probably to like the, the nth degree is probably the, one of the most well-known high-performance sure. athletes, right? Um, but his cheat meal is, <laughs> I don't know. Five pounds of sushi, six chocolate chip cookies, three scoops of ice cream, and then he's going to go to bed. This is this is the this is the narrative he he puts forth. How true is that cheat meal narrative? Um, well, some players have like things that they do before games that they don't they'll never change. Um, so they know ice cream is bad for them, but some of them have a superstition that they eat ice cream before games, so they they're always going to want it regardless if it's bad or not. So I would consider that a cheat meal. Um, nowadays, when you cheat yourself, um, you can still have shortcuts and make it healthy. Like there's an air fryer now. So if you're going to have fried food, you can air fry it. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, they kind of know the consequences. <laughs> <laughs> and if they do cheat, maybe it's just once in a while, maybe once a week. Yeah. So what what does that mean? So as someone that works out on a regular basis like myself, right, I, I don't want to change the way I eat. Mm-hmm. I don't. Um, am I going to struggle to reach a – am I going to hit a plateau and then – not be able to overcome like it. I think it would just be harder for you to recover. Um, you know, is that get, why I'm sore all the time? That would be one of the reasons. No shit. No <laughs> yeah. way. Yeah, recovery. I didn't know that. So yeah, recovery. So uh, you know, I mentioned this, and I'm I'm going back, bouncing back and forth. Please. Re- you say you make recovery meals for people. So can, mm-hmm. can you give us an example of what a recovery meal is that you're doing for these athletes? Okay. For example, let's just say a grain bowl. So in the bowl, you have. Quinoa, you have brown rice, you have sweet potatoes, you have uh, beans, um, tomatoes, purple cabbage. It's different things that will improve your health and get you your blood flowing faster so you can recover faster. Really? I, 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 didn't, I thought just eating burgers and pizza was going to be fine. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> well, that's why I go to Shake Shack all the time. This episode is not sponsored by Shake Shack, but I would like it to be. Shake Shack, if you're listening, I do love your food. Um, do you uh, do you travel with the Pistons? Um, I have, just for research purposes, but not on the the regular. When you say research, what, you're researching what other chefs are doing? Uh, researching what other teams do in the league. I uh, went to Milwaukee. They have a really great chef there. Um, Zell is his name. Um so we learned a lot from him. He does things a little differently, but we're kind of on the same page, same accord. Do do a lot of the chefs in the circuit? Is it like a circuit? You guys all know each other, and like you guys, you know, like when the other. T- so do you feed the other team when they come into town? Um, only if they request it. So like seventy sixers may request it, and um, they'll they'll mostly get their food from the banquet center at the LCA. Okay. Um. So I necessarily just strictly do the Pistons. So when you so you cook for all of the players, players, the staff, the training staff, the coaches, uh, and the family. Does oh, everybody wow. eat the same thing? Yeah, there's so a lot cook, of options though. A lot of options. Yeah. Okay, so you take dietary restrictions into into consideration. Yeah, only only allergy we have is a peanut allergy. Uh huh. Shout out Bruce Brown. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no vegans, vegetarians, um, anything like that. No, we have a ball boy that's a vegan. Um, I think that's about it now. But a lot of them are just strictly clean eaters. They'll have some meat, but they just want it cooked in like the finest oils, avocado, olive oil, things like that. 
So when you say clean eating, what does that mean like in terms of – Um, Don't put a lot of sodium and different seasonings and spices. Make sure everything's all natural. Um, Cook it lightly. Don't overcook your vegetables. Make sure it still has crunch in it so it can have more nutrients. So overcooking a vegetable takes out the nutrients. Yeah, when you see it turn brown and dead, it's more than likely <laughs> not going to do much for you. So what you, you just mentioned not not using a lot of seasoning. What What is that? Sodium. Just sodium or like any seasoning? Um, and then a lot of them have additives, uh, MSG. Just If you look at the label, if uh-huh. it says things that you can't pronounce, then it's more than likely no good for you. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So wh- why do you mention MSG? What's what's the concern with MSG? Mm, it's just bad. It's not natural. Uh-huh. It's kind of like a trick to make you like something that you really don't like. So I think they put that in Chinese food. That's I think that's where I like Chinese food. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what animal it is, <laughs> I've, been, I've been tricked this but, whole time. I mean, I think, but I, I mean, MSG is monosodium, monosodium glutamate. glutamate. Yeah, and it's an it's an amino acid. I think um, I know. Um, I think it's natural. It's not natural. Maybe. No, I don't know. Um, it's good. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, so you. So back to your history. So you took your banquet experience and just carried it over to yeah, sports. Um, right. Went there uh, cooking for six hundred plus people at a time. Um, some famous people came in, like Rachel Ray. She was from the area of uh, Lake George, the Adirondacks. She mentions it a lot on her show. So she came in and. Um, we just put meals out for her and like a bunch of other people. And I really got my knife skill set because cooking food for 600 plus people and everything has to be exactly the same. Each cut of everything has to be exactly the same. It, it really, you know, gets you strict in, in your knife skills. So I learned a lot from doing that. And then you moved on to a fine dining uh, concept? Yes. Uh, they had a Italian restaurant, fine dining Italian restaurant at the resort called La Bella Vita. Where I worked under a James Beard awarding a uh, uh, James Beard award winning chef named Adam Savage, mm-hmm. um, and he was extremely strict, and he taught me a lot as well, um, along with the sous chef Gordon Baker. Uh, just learned it's, it's all a learning experience. I'm still learning. So, and, and then and then you moved on to other positions in New York, or is that when you came back to yeah the, um, Detroit area? Other positions throughout New York, uh, the upstate area. I just loved the lake. Fell in love with it. It's just beautiful there and i still go out there every summer just to say hi swim fish and then and then on your way back to the d yeah, on my way back to the d and then that uh took you to coach or you had some before coach nope, went right to coach insignia um i was kind of looking for the best thing around the area i felt like my skill set was ready to impress um whoever i could so i just seen the top of the renaissance like let me go up there and apply so i applied and they called me back the same day um, so I worked on the grill station of their steakhouse where we did all the meats were Wagyu, we had racks of lamb and anything you could think of. Um, and we just had to cook it perfect. And you really don't want to mess up something as nice as, you know, the coach insignia. Was that, uh, Epicurean at the time or? Yes. Okay. And that's, uh, I don't know what, it, what's, what's, do you know what's there now, Joe? It's not. Uh, uh, coach insignia? Yeah. It's going to be a new concept called the Highlands. <clears throat> Okay. It's going to be three different concepts. They just announced it last week. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. opening by the end of the year, I believe. So a long, long time. I don't know. I mean, this is, I mean, this can show my age, but a long, long time ago, I remember going up there. It was a uh, revolving, the entire thing was a revolving restaurant. So you'd sit on like the outside and the whole outside would revolve around in a, uh, in a circle and you'd see the whole outside and they had these uh, boots, these cowboy boots. And as a kid, you'd get, it was called a kitty kicker. 
And it was basically, you know, Sprite and Grenadine. So it was a kitty cocktail, but it came in this boot, this glass <laughs> cowboy boot. And it oh. was, uh, it was about the size of our, of our pure still, uh, bottles here. It wasn't very big. And, but I just remember going there as a kid, uh, going into Renaissance Center back in the early eighties mm-hmm. when it was first born and that, that the whole thing was around and stopped it. So that was like coach was, uh, like multiple levels, mm-hmm. but the restaurant when it was a kid, like the, that was cut. So like there was floors there and I think that's where they were able to make it go around. But yeah, I remember um, being there when I was about six or so seeing it spin. Yeah. Having dinner. Yeah. And I remember going when the first time I went back to coach, I was like, does this go around? They're like, no, nah, we don't do that anymore. Like, <laughs> But it, <laughs> they said it costs uh what about half a million to get it to spin again? Really? Yeah. Wow. And that I thought it was just cool that they had their own private elevator. So one, you know, you didn't have any stops whatsoever. You just hop in the elevator and boom, one minute later you're up there. You're up at the top <laughs> of the Renaissance Center, which is really the, I mean, I would say probably I mean definitely the tallest building downtown. Yeah. Most poorly designed building of downtown, but um and yeah. they say it's so big it has its own zip code. <laughs> I like the giant chairs that were up at the Coach Insignia. Remember those? No. Yeah, they had these giant chairs that were comedically large. Mm-hmm. You'd sit down and, you know, feet be off the ground no matter how big you were. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's cool. So after after Coach, did you go, that's when you went to the Pistons? You had to yeah. stop in between? Nope. I went uh, to the Palace Auburn Hills where I thought maybe one day I'll see a Pistons while I work here. Maybe maybe I'll see a player but um, my first day, they took me right into the training center. So I met the whole team. I seen Stan Van Gundy. It's the first person I seen when I walked in. Oh, I bet that guy had a lot of hot dogs to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, I'm just saying, like, he 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 wasn't the most fit, like, kind of guy, right? No body shaming. Come on. Hey. Come on. Well, I'm a, he ate well. <laughs> <laughs> he, he ate what the players ate. So, <laughs> um, so how does that – so we've had on uh, – uh, uh, Chef Hardy, who, uh, what do you cook for? Stoudemire? Max Hardy. Yeah, for yeah. Mari Stoudemire. Yeah. So, and, you know, I, I, I didn't get a chance. I don't, didn't ask him this. At least I don't think I did, but I asked, I asked you this. How do you, how do you get past, like you said, you were really looking forward to meeting some players. How do you get past the starstruckness of, you know, oh my gosh, there's these people that I admire or like I, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to get their autograph one day, but now you're like, you're cooking for them all the time. And how do you get like, okay, like, Instead of being this, you're just like, you're the guy who's eating my food. And, yeah. and you know. So I was in New York for five years. And when I came back to Detroit, I could finally watch the Pistons on TV because they only played the Knicks oh. and <laughs> Brooklyn and stuff out there. Um, so I was really into the basketball season. And for some odd reason, I just came across the opportunity to work with the team that I was just watching on TV this whole time. So um, when I came in, I, I couldn't wipe the smile off my face. It was kind of like your first day on a dream job, which it really was. Um, so that smile was there for probably about a good month. Um, I would wipe it away when I came in the room, and then they leave, I'd be cheesing again. Uh, so, I mean, after a while, you kind of just get over it. You know that you have a job to do. Um, you know you're going to see them again tomorrow. Your friends now, they got numbers. You know, they invite you to their house, barbecues. Um, if their wife ever leaves town, they'll call me and ask me to come and prepare their meals for the week. And they really just want a friend like uh, Boban Mariakovic. He uh, his wife left town. And he asked me to come over and cook meals, but he wasn't really hungry. He just wanted to play 2K, <laughs> <laughs> watch movies and stuff. So, that was fun. So are are you um, outside of the banquet setting? If you're doing something like that, are you, like are you going to the farmers market and shopping? Are you yeah? Are, local markets, uh, Whole Foods, Randazzo is one of my favorites. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And um, then with the transitioning, I, I know we're going in time jump, but transitioning to women's soccer team, then are you, do you have that same kind of relationship that you had similar with the players there? I mean, I mean, well, just like how Joe said, watching that on your Instagram video, them yeah. cheering, I was just like, oh my God, <laughs> that is freaking amazing, right? I mean, they're on, st- they're on, st- the platform the, on the field, the winning circle. On, you're right, right, right. So, I mean, they have to be incredibly inspired by the food that was made. Yeah, um, and with the girls, it seems like we were really close, um, but we became close in a short period of time. Um, I just started working with them, I believe, back in April. Um, it was the first time I met them. We went. They had a camp in San Jose, California, and I met them all there. And they were cheering for me when I got there. I introduced myself. I told them that I was a chef. They need anything to, you know, contact me about culinary. And they're just really excited to have me. So we'll talk more about the U.S. women's soccer team. But before that, a word from our sponsor. I'm sitting with Daniel Estrada, co-founder and CEO of 86 Repairs. 86 Repairs is a sponsor of this week's episode of Herd. You can learn more about 86 Repairs at 86repairs.com slash herd. Last time, Daniel, we talked about what 86 Repairs is. Now, how does it work? Sure. So uh, any 86 Repairs customer can text, call, or email us whenever they have a problem, any, a repair issue, maintenance issue in the restaurant. Um, so typically, you know, it's Friday night, your walk-in cooler goes down, your GM's on the phone, calling service companies, trying to figure out who can get out there the fastest. Uh, they're waiting for calls back. They're waiting for a tech to show up. It's a really painful process, right? Anyone in the industry knows managing repairs is a huge pain. So what we do is uh, we give them one number to call for any repair. They can text us, call us, email us anytime, 24-7, and we'll manage the whole repair process for them. So they tell us what's wrong. The first thing we do is we work with the on-site team to troubleshoot, right? Can we avoid a service visit in the first place? So we'll do that, fix the simple things, right? Circuit breaker needs to be flipped, reset switch on a compressor, you know, that kind of stuff, defrosting a walk-in, for example. Um, If we can't solve the problem with them, um, and that's how we save customers a lot of money is by, by avoiding service in the first place, then we will dispatch either their preferred vendor or a vetted service provider from our network and we send them out to solve the problem. And we don't make any money from service companies, our customers, the restaurant. So we're there to save them time and money. Uh, so is this a 24 seven service? Absolutely. 24 seven service. Um, and you're nationwide. Yeah, uh, well, close to it. We're in 15 states now, and we're growing very quickly. That's awesome. Uh, one more time, to learn more, go to 86repairs.com slash herd. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks. All right. So you go from the Pistons to the women's soccer team. What what is What was the fundamental difference between the two? The difference between the two is the Pistons were at home. Um, when I seen them, they were miles away from their house. When I see the girls, they're thousands of miles away from their home. So it's kind of like we're both um, landlocked in a hotel. So we kind of like on a road trip. So it, it seems to be a, a bit different between the two. So you, you're you're hired as the chef for the women's soccer team. This is only for their time in this is in France. Uh, well, yeah, this assignment was for the World Cup. Okay. So this is for their time in France. So how long how long was the the assignment? Um started in April and it ended in July. <clears throat> okay. And you spent the whole time in France. How's cooking different there 
like ingredient wise stuff like that is it, it was, very similar or like mm-hmm. how did you feel it was a lot of stuff that they didn't have um we had to do a lot of improvising on a lot of the different menu items um we tried to plan for that but it's just like you can't plan for it if you don't go to the market and see what they have and they don't have um so after a while we started making menus kind of a week before we got to the next venue and we kind of knew what they would have and what they didn't have. So it started to get easier as time went on. So uh, talk me through that. Like, are you, you say you have a dietitian, um, you're menu planning with that. Do you guys like sit in the room first before you talk to the team and say, okay, here's, here's, Mm -hmm. here's what we need to do. And they say, we need to have, we need to carve them up the night before. I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, and then you're like, okay, well I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Mm -hmm. And then, so it's kind of like we don't talk to the players at all. Okay. Um, kind of just either at first we kind of assume what they would like or what they need. And then as time goes by, we kind of figure out what they like. Um, so they'll put their input in if they don't like something, but you kind of just already know. You already know. People like chicken, fish, and steak. People like potatoes. People like fresh, vibrant vegetables. Um, and we just put it out what, there. What, what didn't they like? What was the thing that you, you're like, oh, this is going to be a winner. And then they're like, <laughs> Really? <laughs> well, hamburger helper lasagna. Right. Well, the NBA team, uh, Pistons, they love lamb, like lamb chops. Uh, grill them up with fresh herbs and garlic, olive oil, salt, pepper, and they 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 love it. The girls didn't like lamb at all. I would make it. I actually tried it twice, and it just the whole pan sat there. They really wow. don't like lamb. Wow, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. Why do you, Why do you think that is? If you had to guess, um, or did you ask? I didn't ask. I just noticed. Like, they're not eating this. It's weird. You were like, uh, so what's wrong with my lamb? <laughs> so you don't, you don't dig on lamb? Like, oh, no, chef. It's fine. I just don't like this lamb. Are you uh, – so I, I'm picturing you going grocery shopping, you know, or, or placing an order for food, right? And you have – you have a, say you're doing it for a, a day or a week or whatever. You have a budget in mind? No, each of these teams are kind of budgetless. Really? Yeah, there's no budget. I mean, I kind of know how to stay cost effective, but I really don't hold anything back. So you could just cook lobster every day if you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> they like lobster and, and they got wins off of eating lobster and they got it every day. Um, so you, you, uh, you referenced earlier this kind of, um, superstition that players have, and this is very common with, with, professional athletes from what i understand mm-hmm. um so if you make something and and they win big is, is there any tendency to make the same thing the next day too so they <laughs> definitely is, really why, why wouldn't you <laughs> <laughs> it worked it's proven so so if you start with so the women just eat the same thing over and over again until oh, because they win every game <laughs> um well alex morgan did she's a star she ate the uh same pregame meal every time but you kind of do like um a themed meal before games so they did um a build a bowl uh-huh. so we gave them a bowl and they just put a bunch of different things in there with different sauces and kind of ate it like that so it's kind of like the same thing but they can change things up if they want it okay because it's a build your own so there is a bit of there's probably an element of superstition in that too yeah because it's very very yep. similar to yep. what they're oh, oh their superstition the main thing was banana pancakes banana pancakes yeah they wanted banana pancakes before every game every game um, but they didn't want the bananas to be mushed up in there. They wanted them um, chunks and cooked. They didn't want it just lightly folded in. It was, it was, oh, so, so you you got the pancake <clears throat> on the griddle. You put the bananas on top, and then you flip it like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's how I make banana pancakes. See, I'm I mean, onto something. I, I mean, I would have thought maybe like a bananas Foster style. You know, put it on or top. or flambéing. Well, I don't know. <laughs> 
I mean, then, then you could do too much sugar in then that. You could, but yeah, but then you could do the whole thing with the flame, and then put the cinnamon in, and everyone's like, ooh, <laughs> right? I don't know. That's just, I mean, I think this is absolutely fascinating with, with the, this kind of tendency for for everybody um, on a team, um, because I imagine there's what? Uh, how many players on a soccer team? Twenty to thirty? Is that uh, twenty-three? Twenty-three. So. To have them all have that camaraderie where it's like we all want banana pancakes. Mm. We're all going to eat the same thing. I think that's really incredible. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's more of a team building exercise. And, you, and you're kind of like the conductor of it all. Yeah. So are you the only one cooking for the team or is there – did you have a team under you or around you or how so does it – each venue we would go to, each hotel, um, they would have their own culinary team, okay. culinary staff. So I'll just go into the kitchen, speak with their executive chef, give them our guidelines, let them know what we're going to be doing, what we're going to need, the hours of the meals, and we would execute it. And, and they have all the cooking equipment. You don't have to carry anything over. The only or... thing I had to carry with me was a juicer, which is very important. We did power shots for okay. the players. What's a power shot? Um, power shot, we bunch of super vegetables, super food, super fruits. We would juice it into a concentrated shot. I want a power shot. <laughs> You're probably familiar with those working out, right, Joe? No, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna tell Lavar because I work out with Lavar at like five in the morning. Really? And I'm like, mother effer, I want a power shot. You bring me a power shot. My, my power shot's coffee. Yeah, I do a power I, espresso. I do a, I do a pre. I got that Savage AF pre, and it's like it wakes me up. Anyways, um, besides the point, I, exactly. it's, it's not super fruits and vegetables. I was I was listening to a podcast. Um, with uh, the Model Health Show, Sean Stevenson. Shout out to Sean. And he had on a, uh, I don't know, I don't forget if it was a dietitian or as a chef for um, uh, uh, Kobe, right? Mm. And apparently there was there was a specific kind of drink that he had to have like every game. Do you have, was there any players that were like that with you that said, hey, I have to have this like specific thing? Like there was, it was down to a science where they, wherever they went, mm-hmm. they had to find all the ingredients. They had to teach the chefs yeah. or teach people how to make this certain thing. I think that was Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris had one. I think uh, um, Marcus Morris. They had one. They would always carry around a water jug full of herbs and different things in it, and I think vinegar or something. It's a combination of stuff. But most of the time, they would just make them themselves. Or I don't know who, maybe their wife or their personal chef. A lot of the players have their own personal chefs at home. So they have okay. So do do any of their personal chefs interact with you, or is um, it you do the banquet and then the personal chef does it and like? No, I think they they uh, contact the dietitian. Um, just about guidelines and dietitian needs. So I don't really communicate too much with their personal chefs. Any any weird ingredients that you're like, oh, where am I going to find this? You had to come up to uh, in France. Well, either either place that where you had to like, where am I going to find this at? Um, no, well maybe dried tart cherries. That may be a little hard to get. Um, but we found them here. Couldn't find them in France at all. Um, hmm. and those are kind of important. Better than dried cranberries. Yeah, you're in cherry country here. Yeah. yeah. Traverse City is the largest uh, producer, second largest in the world next to the country of Turkey, <laughs> as far as I know. It's um, a pretty big deal. Are you, so you're, you're away with, with the women's team, so I'm assuming you're making more than just one meal for them versus the Pistons where you're doing maybe pre-game? Post-game, yeah. Post-game. Yeah, so with you, the girls, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snack. It was a lot. Um, I was sleeping in between lunch and dinner. Did you get to watch the game? Get back to it. 
actually no, I wasn't <laughs> able or well, on TV. I wasn't able to go to the live games um in the beginning because I would have to go two days or maybe one day before to the next venue just to make sure everything's set, make sure that when the girls arrive they have meals ready. So I was traveling the same day that they were playing, and they were upset by it. I didn't know how much they cared until it was getting close to the end. It was like, are you going to finally come to our games? I'm like, yeah, because we were staying in Lyon for two games straight so I can go to both of the Lyon games, and that was the pre-championship and then the championship The semis and the finals? Yeah. The semifinals and the finals? That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, they were so excited. But um, a couple of, like, the staff was like, "Uh, I don't know, because they're superstitious too. Like, you haven't been to a game this whole time. If you come and we lose, you can never come to another one. So I was a little nervous, like, please win, please win. And they won. Do you have to entertain, like, uh, former players? Like, did they come into town, like, with the Pistons or, like? Oh, Ben Wallace, uh, Rip Hamilton. So um, they come in and like, hey. Yeah, Uh, Dave Bean. They're always walking around. Oh, the best one is uh, Rick Mahorn. He's he's always there. He's always lively. Um, he was on the plane when uh, I traveled to Milwaukee, sitting in the back, and he's just a funny guy. I that, like him. He is funny. I last saw him at uh, American Coney Island. Shout out to Grace <laughs> and American Coney Island. Um, they had the Coney Inn contest, which is actually coming up. Uh, uh, this this will probably be posted on Thursday, right? So it's going to be the Coney Inn contest is on Thursday. Supports the firefighters and the police officers. What's the date? Um, that is two days. From our recording date, so that is the 29th, 5.30. So August 29th, 5.30, yeah. Coney Eating Contest at American Coney Island. Right. So I ran okay. into Rick Mahorn there, and I, and I go up to him, and I'm like, hey, you know, my dad was a cop, and when uh, he, uh, uh, whatever it was, he knew him and Vinny uh, Johnson, and I said, you know, he he went up to you, and, you know, you, you gave me a shoe, and you signed the shoe for me, and he's like, yeah, motherfucker, I want my shoe back. <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> sounds like something he was saying. And I was like, I didn't, I didn't really expect that to come. Like, I was just like saying, "Hey, man, you guys are like childhood heroes of mine." Like, you know the Isaiah and and you know the whole every everybody from growing up. And yeah, he's like, "I want my shoe back." <laughs> like, well, dude. funny story when I was on the plane with him, <clears throat> I was showing the dietitian some pictures of him on on uh, Google because she wasn't too familiar with him, yeah. but she knew about him. So I'm showing him the one where he was hacking Michael Jordan, <laughs> like Michael Jordan's feet off the ground, and Rick Mahorn got his forearm up, like hitting him <laughs> in the face. And uh, he was like, "Hey, why are you showing her pictures of me?" Because he was sitting right behind me. I'm, like, oh, I'm just showing her some stuff. I'm like, "Why you?" Do-? I'm like, "Why you do this to Michael?" He's like, "Man, fuck Michael." <laughs> okay, I just put my phone away. <laughs> Gonna leave it at that. So, I, I want to go back to this idea of recovery again because I, I a couple couple years ago, um, I saw Al Harrington, who was a former Indiana Pacer. Uh, for for the Indiana Pacers, uh, speak at a, at a, a cannabis conference, and he was talking about recovery. Um, a lot of players recover. I don't want to call it recovery, but they recover with vodka. They drink vodka um, as a way to uh, mask pain, or they take painkillers. And his, he's, he's a con- he condones the use of marijuana. Now I don't know if you can speak to this one way or the other. Have you any any opinion on the use of marijuana as a as a avenue for recovery? I'm not sure. I mean, I haven't done enough research on it. Uh, the dietitians or the the um, performance team never mentions it, and I honestly don't know if it's even allowed in um, in sports. Do Do you guys recover with chocolate milk? Yes. Yes. High protein. Why? Yeah. Is that why high protein? Mm-hmm. And when I was at the FBI Academy, we when we were done working out, there was an entire refrigerator donate or uh, dedicated simply to just having chocolate milk in there. We put like a quarter. 
and get a little thing of chocolate milk out. Yeah. And so a dietitian your advises low fat, high protein chocolate milk. So low get the two percent high pro high protein. High protein. But what about the sugar in chocolate milk? That doesn't. The sugar's I okay. Know. I don't. I don't. Personally, I don't agree with low fat dairy. So I don't drink anything low fat dairy. I, I don't drink dairy at all. I, I can't. But lactose. Um, yeah, I just it just bothers. I haven't. I haven't. Consumed it in so long that mm-hmm. now, like my my body's like. I think that, fuck I, you I think I said it in one of the episodes. I think like seventy five percent of America is lactose intolerant. Seventy five percent. I believe yeah. that. We just don't. We just tolerate it. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Like like the the pain that like. Well, it's the sensitivity. You can feel it bubbling after you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like like you think you like oh I just ate too much ice cream but no you really just you're lactose yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, oh okay. What's uh, what's on the future for you? You got, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's not like you don't got enough going on. You got the Pistons. You got, got some stuff, man. You got some, yeah, got some stuff. So I'm waiting for the Pistons <laughs> to start their season. Um, they're opening up a new training center um, down by Wayne State, right? right? Down by Wayne State, yes. So it's going to be huge, and it's kind of open to the public a little bit. They have the Plum Market market there, and they got the team store. So that's going to be awesome. Can't wait to see it. Um, the girls are. Possibly going to the Olympics next year. It's going to be in Tokyo. Um, they told me to keep my schedule open, so I'm going to sushi. Gonna be excited about that. Yep, tons of sushi. Um, Have you been to Japan before? No, no. no. And was that your first time in France? First time in France. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So everything was unreal. Um, I just taking a stride, just looking around. You pull out the Rosetta Stone before you go and like. <laughs> well, there's so many apps nowadays. Technology is like no other. Google Translator right. got me through the whole way. I didn't, okay. Yeah. Shout out to Google. Shout hey, out to Google. you want to you want to give us an ad? We're ready for you. Um, and then personally, um, Detroit is having a lobster fest at Hart Plaza. Have you heard about it? It's, uh, sep- Tell us about it. September 13th through the 15th, um, and they're going to be lobster everything. Wow. Um, so all the lobster lovers come out. Um, I'll be there. I'll be the biggest seafood vendor at the event. Um, so come support Heart Plaza, Detroit, September 13th through the 15th. Awesome. Lobster's been really good. Mudgies, obviously, and they're Mudgies. since 2012 with their Lobster Week. And then Hazel Ravines in downtown, they came out, went yeah. to August 11th, but then extended to September 2nd. Yeah. And they... Not only did the Maine lobster, they did the Connecticut lobster roll. They did the you know the whole lobster. I went back and got a Connecticut roll, and uh, first time I got the whole lobster. So, I mean, I, yeah, I, it's, it's lobster's big right now. Huge, yeah, huge. Yeah. yeah, we need a crab week. <laughs> we need a crab lakes week, right? I, I, mean, agree. I agree. I mean, you can go to a casino and get all you can eat snow crab, but I mean, let's have some king crab week. That's not thirty dollars a friggin' pound. That's hard, you know. Or twenty five. I mean, you can go to right I mean, now. It's I think expensive, you, man. I, I, I know. Mean, what do you want? I want a crab week. I want <laughs> imitation <laughs> crab, <clears throat> not imitation. <laughs> what is that? Imitation crab is like uh, or surimi. Yeah, S U R I M I surimi. Wow. Yeah, That's we sad. we we did a pop up recently <clears throat> for Ackroyd's at uh, at Mutiny, and yeah. we made a, a crab rangoon dip, and we looked into um, imitation crab. Because we thought it would cost less, but the the volume we had to buy as a wholesaler made it less expensive for us to buy real crab. So it was a real crab crab rangoon dip, and it was delicious. Maybe you know this, chef, because I I mean there was just an article. I didn't read the article. I saw the headline, but I said, "What the hell is crab rangoon?" Like it just seems so weird, and like it's like a dumpling, right? But dumpling, it, I know, but cheese. it's like spread out like a spider. You know, like the oh, just how they pinch it. How, how they pinch it, it all together? Yeah. What do you mean? I mean, I mean, you could pinch it like a pierogi. Why not do that? <laughs> because then it wouldn't be crab rangoon. Then it would be crab pierogi. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Good point. 
Sure. All right, Chef, where, where can we find you on, online? Um, you can find me at Chef <laughs> underscore Taryn, T-E-R-E-N. That's on Instagram. Or Taryn Green, green like the color, Facebook, uh, Google. I'm out there. So that Chef Taryn account, that's where the, that's where the video is. You gotta uh, go. the, the chef chant, the video chef, of, of, chef, the, of the, chef, the U.S. Chef. women's soccer team <laughs> chanting "Chef, Chef." Can we link chef. that somehow on our on our gram? And- uh, yeah, I can. Um, if if you can send me the video, yeah. I can yeah. put it up. Uh, yeah, and there's yeah. a couple other cool videos of uh, Megan Rapinoe giving me a shout out at the ceremony in New York City. Um, just like everything gave me goosebumps out there. It's just... Yeah, I mean you can't you can't underestimate the power of food. I know. I did, these, I did for a slight games. second. But <laughs> now I know. Yeah, it's it's, it's unbelievable. It, it goes a long way. People really give a shit about what they put in their body, and mm-hmm. these high performance athletes. Kudos to them for recognizing that you know they can't do it alone. That they have to have mm-hmm. supplementation. They have to have the right food. They have to have the right coaches and. And people that put them on whatever path it is, you know, a spiritual path, food path, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Chef T, congratulations on yeah. being a part of that Thank you. world championship Thank you. team. Until next time, dine well, friends. Yes.